Welcome to a Better Divorce podcast where we have conversations about the emotional, financial, and legal issues that are on your mind or should be on your radar if your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator Andrea Vaca, and I know that how you divorce matters to your long-term well-being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Divorce Podcast. I'm so excited to have uh, Susan Pease Goodwa today. Did I say that correctly, Susan? Yes, it was great. Oh, Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. So Susan is a licensed clinicer, clinical sorry, social worker in Northern California in Sonoma County, and she's the director of the Changing Marriage Institute, which she started in 2000. And she works primarily with divorcing women and couples on the brink of divorce. So what's also exciting about Susan, she's the author of, of several books. And one is a San Francisco Chronicle bestseller called Contemplating Divorce, the Parenting Marriage Workbook. And it's a book on offering alternatives to divorce. And she's also the co-author of The New I Do with Vicki Larson. And how I first heard about Susan was through her Psychology Today column which is called Contemplating Divorce. So you can always find articles there on that topic. So Susan, welcome to A Better Divorce Podcast. Great to have you. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so, I just said it wrong. So Andrea, uh, thank you, Andrea. It's great to be here. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, no worries about that. Um, okay, so you are obviously committed to helping couples stay married if that's the best choice for them. Um, but and and at the same time, a lot of people have given a lot of thought. They've thought long and hard about whether to stay or go. And, you know, what what should people be thinking about first if they decide that they do want to end the marriage after, you know, giving it a lot of thought? What do you do next? What do you advise people? Well, I think the thing to do is to understand who you are going to divorce who is this person and by the way sometimes people do change i've had people say i don't even know this person they just became competitive and awful and so um to the extent that you're able to know who you're going to get divorced from you can then decide what modality you want to use in your divorce. So many people, the first thing that they do is they call their friend or their neighbor or their cousin or whomever, and they say, I need to know the name of the lawyer that you used in your divorce. And the problem with that is that when you do that, you're on whatever modality track that attorney is on. So if you call a litigator who's, you know, kind of a bulldog, you're going to be automatically in a contentious divorce. And it's so important to really know about the attorney that you're calling and not just call any attorney. And also, I think really deciding on, do you want to do litigation? Do you want to do mediation? Do you want to do collaborative? and understanding what those processes are before you even think about contacting an attorney. And so you mentioned, I don't even know who my spouse is anymore. So part of understanding what process to use is knowing who you're divorcing, what mm -hmm. your relationship is like with that person, 
Will they willfully come to the table to negotiate? Um, will they agree to a non-adversarial divorce? That's the first question we always ask people. Do you think your yeah. spouse will resolve this without the need for court? First question. Like, if not, I'm not the right lawyer for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you should be asking yourself that question. Um, so, you, so knowing what process might be right for you, wondering, seeing if your spouse would be, you think, on board, and then you should start calling those types of lawyers mm -hmm. that practice that way. Is that what right. you're saying? Yeah, and I, I also want to just comment on what you just said, because you say to your clients, this is what I do, and if this isn't going to work for you, then I'm not your right attorney, but a lot of attorneys don't do that. They just say, yeah, let's just go. And, and you know, they don't ask those questions. And it's not a, not that they're bad people. It's just that they assume that people are coming to them for what they're offering. So I just think that's important. It's really true. They do. And, and then they'll say things like, you know, if a client asks them about, oh, do you do collaborative divorce? They'll say, we work collaboratively. Oh, right. exactly. I know how to collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So make sure the words you're asking and, and that you're using the same language as well. Don't make exactly. assumptions that what you mean by, uh, you know, collaborative is what they mean. Or um, can you help represent me with all, you know, uh, guns blaring, you know, versus <laughs> when you try to work things out. So right. you have to ask a lot of questions. So, so true. What about the issue of money? Like a lot of people, they, they're, they want to find a less expensive process. No one wants to spend more money than they need to in a divorce. But, you know, what do you have to say to clients like that who are, you know, very conscious of, cost as they choose a process. Right. And I think that was actually the article that I wrote that you found me. Um, I have heard so many people say, we chose mediation because we wanted to save money. And I have seen, as I know you have, people who go into mediation who are not really good candidates for mediation, who spend more money than they would have, and, and, and time and energy than they would have if they had gotten the proper attorney. So I think it's, there's so many misconceptions out there. One of them is if we do mediation, we will save money. If we don't have lawyers, we will save money. And that isn't necessarily true. Um, and it can cause way more problems and complications. I have a couple now, um, the woman is my client and they're falling out of mediation because the husband is is not cooperating and so it's gonna you know they they also went through all this mediation and now they have to go to litigation so if they had started with litigation i think they'd be further down the road by now or maybe if they had started with collaborative where they had some advocacy mm -hmm. and they and but but he encouraged to talk to each other and try to keep the fires you know, lower. Um, right, right, right. That maybe they wouldn't have ended up in litigation. I just had the same thing happen with a client where the husband insisted on mediation. Mm -hmm. I, I encouraged her to do collaborative because I could see the writing on the wall there. And mm -hmm. um, he insisted on mediation, but then never 
would buy into the process, wouldn't allow anything to happen. So now they have months and money, all the money they've spent, the goodwill that's been wasted. They're like, they were this far apart. Now they're this far apart. Yes. My hands are now like three feet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So if if they're in worse, you know, they're in worse shape than they were, you know, several months ago, which is so sad. I compare it to Goldilocks and the three bears sometimes like mediation might be too soft. Mm hmm. Litigation's too hard. Right. Sometimes. And sometimes collaborative is just right. Collaborative is not right for everyone, but you have to find what's right for you. You know, right. test the bed, test, test the waters. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that is nice about collaborative is that it's so, there's such a great support team. And, you know, it, it can really turn people who are not cooperative around. And, you know, with every modality, there are pros and cons. And I think the thing about one of the things that's so scary about divorce is it's a new, it's like a a foreign land for people. It's a new language. It's the landscape's different. It's scary. And so, you know, people just are doing the best they can, but they don't have enough information right going into it so it's i think so important to get as much information as you can about what the right process would be right read you know read articles talk to different people but don't go with the first thing you hear about right like do your own research based on who you are and i think for the lawyers and the other professionals we have to remember that how scared they are and mm-hmm. how the words we use are so intimidating and they don't know our language. And we, we, we throw words around as if they understand them because we speak legalese. And right. um, yeah, I agree. It's like, it's, we have to, re, you know, all the lawyers, lawyers and for other professionals have to remember, you know, how scared everyone is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we, um, you know, I know we've both seen the situation where one person makes a decision to divorce. It's not an easy decision to make. It's been maybe years, sometimes decades, right, before they divorce, make the decision. And the other person still doesn't know or doesn't want to end the marriage. So what do you, what do you, how do you start in that situation? What do you advise your clients to do? That's a tough situation and it's pretty common. So what I tell people, and I write about this in my book, Contemplating Divorce, is that a surprise announcement is actually cruel. If the other person doesn't know that you're thinking about getting a divorce and one day you just say, I want out, that is devastating to your spouse. And I I always tell people how you start matters. And if you're really just knocking your spouse over and they're laying flat on the ground, you're not going to be able to even start because their emotions haven't caught up to what's happening. They're in shock. So what I advise people who come to me and say they're wanting out and they don't think their spouse knows is that you need to have basically a divorce plan and, and not just divorce next month. So tell your spouse, I'm not happy. Give your spouse a chance to go to therapy with you and try to make it better. Because that's one of the complaints that I hear is they left and I didn't even have a chance to make whatever was wrong better. 
So this gives your spouse an opportunity to try to make it better, but it also has your spouse understand that this is what you're thinking about. So you just say, you know, I'm not happy. I don't think things are going well. And you give them information about what you're thinking. Now, that said, if it's an abusive situation, you can't always do that. You really do need to get out quickly. But um, in, in most situations, I think giving your spouse a heads up is just kindness and respect. And it will do more to bring out the best in your spouse. So some ways to give them a heads up could be asking them to go to therapy with you, perhaps yeah. um, letting them know you're not happy, um, that you're thinking that you're not sure if the marriage is going to last. Like, are there other examples that you would say is a good way to give the heads up? You know, sure. but Well, I, I think pointing out when there are, are things that aren't working. So this is why I think you don't listen to me. This is an example, or this is a case where you're not thinking about what I need or the family needs. So pointing it out in the moment so that your spouse really understands. And there are lots of things that people can do. There are all kinds of great podcasts. There are um, books and workshops, and there's so many things that people can do. And someone might say, well, I already know I want out, so why would I spend all my time and money doing something like that? And my response to that would be, well, there's always something that you can learn. Um, but I, again, I think that if you're looking at the, the longer range plan, again, if you think about this is going to bring out a better part of your spouse, you're going to have a better divorce by doing that weekend workshop or you know, reading those five books or whatever the case may be. And that usually, people usually understand that, that makes sense. Right, you say, and this is because how you start your divorce matters. Yes. Uh, and I say, it's the tagline to our podcast, how you divorce matters, yeah. right? <laughs> how you start matters, how you divorce. And so these, a, a weekend workshop, a, another book that you read, um, the words that you use, the therapy you might agree to go to, to, you know, talk things out. Um, that could just set you up for the better divorce because you're communicating better. You're both on the same page. You know, the marriage is ending. Even if you don't both want it, you're both accept. Now it's an accepted fact that it's ending and yeah. you can choose the right process. You have a better chance of choosing the right process which sets you up for a long, longer term happiness and right. better relationship, even, you know, after the marriage, that's my experience from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. One and, of the things yeah. that I, that I write about in contemplating divorce is I, I literally have exercises for people. I mean, my, my husband says this could be called contemplating marriage because it really is having people look at what isn't working. What's my part what what's their part how do we do this so it it asks some really important questions that i think people need to ask themselves before they actually take this huge step it's so life-changing and difficult to go through divorce and so to really i i love it when people can look back and say i did everything i could to save the marriage and i think people just feel 
better. And there will always be a little bit of questioning. What if this had happened? Oh, I should have done that. But in general, to do as much as you can before you take this big leap uh, usually makes people feel a little bit more peace of mind. Right. And I would imagine that when you look at your own contributions to the unhappy situation that you're in and how what you did or didn't do in the past that brought you where you are today, um, it allows you to be a little more, a little kinder, or a little more accepting, or maybe just not as um, angry at the other person because it's never a one-sided situation. No marriage ends because one person, right? And mm-hmm. you have two people involved here. Um, so maybe there's a little less resentment going into the divorce if you can at least take a look at here what you might have done or not done. So definitely, good, yeah, good, good exercise. So what about setting up the right team of people around you? Um, You know, other than your lawyers or your divorce coach or your therapist, like, you know, if people are so afraid of starting, you know, do you know, how do you how do you advise them on who to have around them and support them in a productive, healthy way to do this? Yeah, especially when people are afraid and don't understand the whole process, it's so hard to find the exact right people. One of the things that I talk to clients about a lot is to tap into their intuition. And if someone doesn't feel like the right professional, then they probably are not. And um, I make a distinction with how to, a lot of people don't know what's my intuitive voice and what's my head voice. So one, uh, one of the things that I talk to them about is that the intuitive voice doesn't have an explanation. It doesn't have a lot of rationalization. It just says no or yeah. So it's very simple. It's one of the reasons we override it. It's like, if you can't explain yourself, then why would I listen to you? But it's a, it's just a knowing that this is the way to go. And the other distinction that I make between the head and the intuitive voice is that the head voice is like, no, you can't. It's really loud or yes, you have to. It's very urgent. And the intuitive voice is just like, no, it's calmer, it's softer. And that is another reason why it's harder to listen. So really tuning in to what the inner guidance is goes a long way. And I've had so many people have to change professionals after they just, they said, I knew this wasn't the right person for me. And they didn't listen to that. Um, so it's, it's crucial, I think, to have that be present when you're going through a divorce. Right. Whether it's the leaving the marriage or picking your lawyer, uh, that's such a great um, suggestion for any idea. You know, the, the quiet sure. voice versus the yelling voice that comes up with all the reasons. Like, that's not your intuition. You sure. Um, I, I bought a house once without listening to my intuition and paid for it later. So, you wow. know, big decisions especially, it's important to listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most important. Yes. Examples of, of um, you know, clients that you've worked with that, you know, made a mistake in choosing their lawyer, like what they they knew or didn't know? Is there anything you recall of anyone mentioning, like how they knew or what? what? 
Well, it, again, there's not a whole lot of explanation when that happens. It's just like, oh, I knew it. You know, I felt it. It, it just, there's something about this whole process that didn't feel right. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I once had a woman who was in a very contentious litigation and she had an attorney who was churning the case and she just thought something is wrong here. Why are we going over this again and again? I thought we were through this. And she wasn't, she wasn't empowered to have a voice. And so I uh, helped her to understand what was going on and to choose. She actually got a collaborative attorney and she was done in a month. And I know it was, it was unbelievable. And she just was so regretful that she had stayed in this process that wasn't working. And she had an attorney she didn't trust. Oh. Yeah. And it probably brought up a lot of bad feelings between her and her spouse. Sure. Know? It because... does do damage. Yeah. Right. Well, she, I'm glad she listened to you. It's hard to find anything end in a month, but that that's that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So you have to talk to your attorney too, right? You should be. I mean, I want if I if my clients have questions, I want I want to know. You know what? Why are we doing it this way? If it's something doesn't feel right, but I think maybe some lawyers are a little scary and don't clients don't feel empowered, like you said, to to say um, what what's important to them, right? They don't know where the it's a an odd power imbalance. Yeah, but really, I think as we, we were talking about before, you said to me, like, remember the attorneys work for you, right? It's That's not the right. other way around, right? Yes, exactly. To have your voice, and if something's not working, to tell that person before you, you know, go to a different professional. Um, but again, I think that one of the barriers for people contacting their attorney for every question is that it's really expensive, and they don't want to be spending lots of money. So one of the suggestions that I have is, unless it's something urgent, make a list of your questions. And then you have more than one thing to talk to your attorney about. And then it feels more valuable, like you're getting more value for the time and money that you're spending. Yeah. I had to tell a client that recently. She was sending emails like throughout the day. And I said, if you can send one email at the end of the day with all your questions or all the information you're trying to convey, it'll save me time, you money. You yeah. Yep. And we'll, and, or in a call, let's talk about what, you know, all the thing, all the questions at once. We'll set enough of time aside. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. You still money. pay for an email. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when I'm, when I'm working with somebody, one thing we do is mediation, we call it mediation consulting. You know, so if a client is in mediation with another mediator, we're the consulting attorney. And I want to, I love that role. It's one of my favorite roles because I'm empowering the client to um, ask the questions that are important to them. And sometimes it's a question of the mediator, you know, as much as, the, as their spouse, like, why are we doing it this way? Can we have an agenda before the meeting? Can you follow up meetings with a memo of what we talked about so I can keep my attorney involved and or whatever it is like so find people that can help you get empowered someone like you Susan your your therapist your coach to help you say what you need to say to those professionals that you might not know how to how to find the words or what it is that you want to say right exactly yep I love that you 
tell your clients that because again, not every attorney does and you're interested in helping your clients save money and time. And I just, I think that's wonderful. So. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we are, I think at the end of our uh, podcast interview here, when um, I ask all my clients, I mean, all my um, guests, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't ask my clients this. I, maybe I should. What, <laughs> what's your one tip if somebody wants to have a better divorce? What would you say? It's hard to find one because there's so many that can help people. But I do think that when clients don't understand and don't know things, they're likely to be more afraid and they won't actually be as good of a client they will be a better client and a better divorcing person if they have done some research and they have more knowledge because knowledge really is power. I used to run a workshop, um, the spend less, uh, no more, do better, you know, divorce workshop, because it really makes a difference. You will spend less money and you'll feel so much better through the process. Okay. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Do your research. Ask right. your questions. Exactly. Of course. I love yep. it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. So, Susan, thank you for joining me. It's really been a pleasure. And I look forward to speaking with you again sometime and staying, you know, now that we're, we're part of our each other's uh, little world here. So, but how can people find you? Um, how can they find your books? Um, what's the best well, way to Thank you. Uh, my website is changingmarriage.com, and that's a great way to find out my general information. And they can also go to parentingmarriage.com, but I'm on Instagram. And uh, so would love to have people reach out. All right. We're going to have you back to talk about the parenting marriage. <laughs> okay, good. Back to talk about that. That's a oh, whole yeah. other topic. Yep, exactly. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank Thanks. you everyone for tuning in. Thank you, Susan, for being here. And we'll see you all in the next episode. You've been tuning in to another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews, and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at vacalaw.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now. And remember, you can have a better divorce.